Hello and welcome to Wineskins, a program featuring reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda. Our show is sponsored by the annual Dossison Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, I will interview Joe Torma. We will also hear more about the life of St. Stephen Martyr and the readings for this fourth Sunday of Advent. That and more on Wineskins. In our current issue today, we will hear from Angela Wells. With me now is Angela Wells, who is the Administrative Assistant here at Catholic Charities in the Diocese. Welcome to our show. Thank you, Father. You are the uh, first face, the warm, welcoming person that people meet when they get off the elevator here on the third floor, going into the Catholic Charities offices and also communication. And so we thank you, first of all, for that. And second of all, tell us a little bit about what you do in your role as administrative assistant. Well, thank you. So a lot of administrative support, whatever the staff here at Catholic Charities needs, I provide support to them, basic office staff, clerical staff. A big portion of what I do is receiving the funds and donations that we solicit. So I process through them. I assign them the accounts that they go to before they hit our accounting department. Tell us a little bit about some of the folks that you encounter, like over the phone, or who might come here to visit or to have an appointment with someone in Catholic Charities. What's kind of the atmosphere that they come to and that you show and bring to them? If I receive calls for people looking for help from Catholic Charities, I have to redirect them. We don't actually do any field work out of this office. So I determine kind of what their needs are and where I should direct them for the assistance that they're looking for. I would imagine that in kind of the world we live in today, there's lots of people looking for help. And so you would encounter a lot of that. What are some of the needs that are out there that we need to be aware of? Food shortage, uh, utility assistance, personal hygiene items, just basic necessities that we sometimes might take for granted. And what does that kind of tell you personally about the role and the work of Catholic Charities and how important it is to our church? We're here to help fill in the gaps. You never know the struggle that somebody's going through. So we don't judge anyone who's calling. We don't judge their situation. We just try to help where we can. And what about the folks that are here working at Catholic Charities, tell us about some of the work that they provide people. Constant. <laughs> it's a constant process uh, to try and, and get as much help as we can from the community to support those in our community that need it. It's a constant process. And how is it for us as church to be open and to be aware of the many needs that are around us? Because as you had mentioned, there's lots of different needs, whether it's food, clothing, shelter, but how and why is it important for us as individuals to be open-minded to people's needs? Well, we don't know what battles they're facing, and the smallest thing could make the biggest difference to somebody that, you know, in, in a big way that we can see and maybe in a small way that means the most to them. We can't always see the struggle that somebody's going through, but if we can offer a little bit of comfort 
or, you know, a basic need that they don't have to worry about that gives them energy and, you know, time or space to figure out something else that they need just to ease a little bit of their burden. As someone who's been here working at the diocese, what's some of the things that you really like about your job? I like knowing that I'm making a difference in our community. I like knowing at the end of the day that I am doing God's work, working Mm -hmm. directly for God Mm -hmm. with God's children. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty satisfying. And what would you like to tell the folks that are with us primarily about Catholic Charities and why it's important for us as a church to be so charitable and to be the outreach of the Lord? I think Catholic Charities, our message we've been really trying to get out there is that the help that we provide, the people that get the help that we provide, they don't have to be Catholic. They don't even have to have faith or religion, we're providing help and charity because we are Catholic. And that's important to us as Catholics to be committed to giving. Well, Angela Wells, Administrative Assistant here at Catholic Charities in the main office downtown. We certainly appreciate your presence on Wineskins, and we love the work that you do. It's vital to the operation here, and thank you for being that first smiling, warm face that they see, and also on the phone, and we appreciate your ministry and your time here. It is my honor, Father. Thank you. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. The Feast of St. Stephen Martyr is celebrated on Tuesday. To tell us more about this first holy martyr is Brother Dominic Calabro. He is from the Society of St. Paul in Canfield. The Feast of St. Stephen has been celebrated in the West since the 5th century. St. Stephen was a deacon in the early church, and he had been assigned by the apostles to distribute food to the poor. We read in the Acts of the Apostles, that he worked great signs and wonders among the people, and that certain Jews would engage him in argument, but he always confounded them with his wisdom. Ultimately, they made false charges against him, brought in false witnesses, and succeeded in having him stoned to death. According to legend, the relics of St. Stephen were discovered near the north gate of the city of Jerusalem, and the Bishop of Jerusalem had the relics transferred to St. Zion near the Senegal. Later, a basilica was constructed in his honor and the relics were transferred there in 439. The basilica was destroyed by the Persians in 1614 and was eventually replaced as an oratory. It was again destroyed in 1187. After the excavations in 1882, the church was rebuilt and consecrated in 1900. It stands near the Ecole Biblique of the Dominicans. The distribution of St. Stephen's relics to Prague Northern Africa, Constantinople, and Rome has served to foster devotion to this saint. The Church of St. Stephen in Rome is one of the Lenten Station churches. In the opening prayer of the Mass, we ask that we may love our enemies in imitation of St. Stephen, who prayed for his persecutors. St. Augustine pointed out that this saint had the privilege of having his martyrdom described in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6 and 7. In many ways, his court trial and martyrdom were similar to what Christ experienced during his passion. The prayer after communion relates the martyrdom of St. Stephen to the Christmas season, as it states, the love that brought Christ from heaven to earth raised Stephen from earth to heaven. Love was Stephen's weapon by which he gained every battle. 
Love inspired him to reprove those who erred, to make them amend. Love led him to pray for those who stoned him, to save them from punishment. Christ made love the station way that would enable all Christians to climb to heaven. Hold fast to it, therefore, in all sincerity. Give one another practical proof of it, and by your progress in it, make your ascent together. Stephen is the patron of all deacons, teaching them to serve others out of love and to remain ever faithful in the defense of Christ's teaching. For Wineskins, I'm Brother Dominic Calabro from the Society of St. Paul. With me again is Dr. Joe Torma, who is former professor of theology at Walsh University. Welcome back to our show. Thank you, Joe. You know, it's interesting as we reflect on your topic that you had at the First Friday Club about domestic church becoming renewed Catholics. One thing I'd like us to focus on is how did that take place for the many years that you were at Walsh University? And what did that mean to the students who were Catholic? And how did they renew their faith as a family? Well, there weren't that many people who had that conviction that I have, mm-hmm. but I was obviously allowed to proclaim that. But that proclaims a different kind of church than most people are used to. Most people are used to a church which is relatively superficial. Mm-hmm. It's basically focused on worship, celebration, mm-hmm. spirituality. <clears throat> the idea that celebration and spirituality are meant to feed the mission, mm-hmm. feed the mission to make the world a family, and we are all to be a family. And that means care and concern for the poor, the blind, the oppressed, the imprisoned, things that Jesus said in Luke 4, 16 to 19. So I would proclaim that. And I was brought there by Brother Francis Bluen, who wanted me because I had training in the areas of social justice. And he saw social justice, unlike most people, not as a particular specialty within Christianity, but the essence of Christianity. And that's where I was coming from. So whenever they saw me, I would talk to the students that way. And I'd say, this isn't my theology. This is Christian. And Christian means, of course, anointed and appointed to care for the poor. That's what it means. You may not have experienced that a lot, because it's probably just a lot easier to hold people accountable for showing up at church. Mm -hmm. To hold them accountable for trying to change the world into a family, that's a whole other thing, and we're not structured for that Mm -hmm. yet. With Vatican II, is the first time in 1,650 years that we actually said that that's our obligation. Mm -hmm. I would say that 90% of the people haven't ever even heard that. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, when the church is moving that way, they feel there's been this reaction, you know. They're shocked at it. They think it's not being Catholic, and it's just the opposite. It's going to being Catholic Mm -hmm. that causes the difficulties. You know, as you were talking about Vatican II, and I think in a previous episode we were talking about this, how long it takes for us to realize who we are as a church and as a family. How long will it take us as church to understand the full thrust of Vatican Mm -hmm. II, which is only about 60 years old plus? Right. As the point I was making before, if it's been since 315 that we've had this separation of the full Christ, the fully Christian, and everybody else, it's going to take 10 to 20 percent of that time. So you're talking about 150 to 300 years. Mm -hmm. But it's a project that's worth doing regardless of what happens in the short term. So some people will say, well, when are you going to be successful? And I say, well, (laughs) I take some wisdom from 
Mother Teresa mm-hmm. and Dorothy Day mm-hmm. of the Catholic Worker. And their message to the people they worked with was what we are called to be is faithful, not successful. Mm-hmm. Success will come in God's time. And God is the God of, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. So it'll take a long time. So what can we expect in our time? In our time, we could probably expect an organization or a group. And the problem with that is there will be progress, as there was after Vatican II for, you know, 10, 20 years. But progress doesn't go in a straight line. It goes in a spiral. You go forward, and then you go backwards. And so that's what we're experiencing. And then you turn around and go forward again. So what do I expect in my time? In my time, I was involved in lots of progressive movements, and now the time seems to have been gone. But it's only gone temporarily. Mm. It's gone for me, but not for my children and my children's children. What I like about that concept is that element of hope. It's always there because sometimes there are those of us who would like to see more happen within the church or within the faith. And we feel that people are taking steps back instead of forward, and yet We have to be people of hope to realize that our good works, our good intentions, our being faithful is really part of the process. Absolutely. I'm reminded of, it was explained to me once in my training, they said, Joe, do you realize that when you're talking about the virtues, you're talking about something that's beyond our normal expectation? I don't know what you mean. They said, well, look at faith. Faith means believing in something for which there is no evidence. Mm. Oh, okay. And hope means keeping going without any evidence of progress. And love means being close to and serving the best interest of those who are not lovable. And they said, this isn't just some local wisdom. This is basic Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at those are the theological virtues. They're the virtues that show the theos, the God. Right, right. Well, you know, as we do live our lives in this complex and complexing world that we live in, How do we hold on to those values? How do we hold on to those particular virtues that will help us move forward? The answer, that's a simple answer that all of us know, but we don't know what it means to do it, is prayer. But by prayer, I don't mean some kind of a ritual. I mean what the definition is, to raise your heart and mind to God. God is simply that ultimate reality we're supposed to be, which is we are all to be family. Mm -hmm. Raise your mind to that. Well, means I have to know what that means structurally. So in my world, where is there not family? Yeah. But then I have to raise my heart. My heart is my emotion, my will, my commitment. Mm-hmm. So I would say, first of all, that kind of prayer, which you do probably a lot all the time, not the formal prayer, but when you're thinking about the world the way it is and what it, how it should be, that's what we have to do. So that's what I mean by prayer. That has to be constant. We have to constantly think about that. So that's the first thing I would say in how you move toward this next stage. And believe that the little work that you do for yourself and one other person, like here, there's two people, that's Mm -hmm. great, Mm -hmm. and we're reinforcing each other. Mm -hmm. Believe that in God's time, that will take root, that will flower. We don't know in our time, but our time isn't God's time, is it? Well, it's interesting, as you were saying, and in closing, I'd like to say that I'm reminded of the quote, where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. So if we do that as family, one for another, and remember that, then we can continue to bring about the kingdom. 
Absolutely, because we are Jesus. That statement that you just made from Matthew 18, 20 is central because mm -hmm. that's the reality of the church. Where is the church? Mm -hmm. It's where two or three are gathered in my name. The Hebrews by that meant my function. So where two or three are gathered to carry out the work of my life, there I am. So that's a wonderful ending. Thank you. Well, Dr. Joe Torma, former professor of theology at Wash University, it's a pleasure to have you on our show and also to be reacquainted with you again. And God bless you in your retirement. I hope that the Lord uh, helps you to continue to be busy about his work. Thank you very much. To receive more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Hello, I'm Bishop Dave Bonner of the Diocese of Youngstown. Christmas is a blessed time to remember the miraculous gift of God's love in Jesus, the newborn King. We recall the angel's message announced over 2,000 years ago. Today, in the city of David is born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. As we celebrate his birth, may his gifts of love and peace be born again in our hearts and homes this Christmas season. Did you know that the Catholic Echo magazine is delivered 10 times per year to 52,000 Catholic households in Northeastern Ohio? That's more than 150,000 people. In the Catholic Echo website, catholicecho.org, has been averaging 30,000 views per month since it launched in February 2023. Advertise your business, special event, or service with the Catholic Echo in print or online. Email catholicecho at youngstowndiocese.org. Advertising discounts are available for Catholic institutions as well as for businesses that commit to five or ten issues in a year. Email catholicecho at youngstowndiocese.org or visit the advertising tab at catholicecho.org for more information. By the time we can walk, each of us yearns for the joy that comes from being able to do for ourselves. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Church World Service. Wondering what happened to timely Catholic news in the Diocese of Youngstown? It's at catholicecho.org. There, you'll find recent stories about Catholic life in all six counties of the Diocese of Youngstown, plus recent videos, podcasts, and even national and global news. You'll find it all at catholicecho.org under the News tab. Sign up for the email newsletter while you're there to have Catholic news delivered to your inbox. Our song today is by the Kellenberg Memorial High School Choir. It is from their CD entitled, A Cradle in Bethlehem. A Savior is Born.
Our scripture reflections for this fourth Sunday of Advent will be by Father Jay Clark. He is Pastor Emeritus of St. Paul Church in North Canton. There's a short five-word phrase in both today's first reading and in the gospel that I believe serves as a good closure to the four weeks of Advent and as a good opening to this evening's Christmas Eve. The phrase is the one spoken by Nathan the prophet to King David in the first reading and spoken by the angel Gabriel to the Blessed Virgin Mary in the gospel. The phrase is this, the Lord is with you. The prophet Nathan spoke these five one-syllable words, the Lord is with you, to assure King David that it was all right to start planning a more suitable dwelling place for God than the tent that had been the mobile home for the Ark of the Covenant ever since the desert days of Moses in the exodus of God's people from slavery in Egypt. But God put King David's construction plans on hold for a while and revealed his own blueprint and plans. God's master plan was a house, as David suggested, but not a house made of marble and fine cedar. God's plan was for a house of humans, a living house of people, a people of God who would give King David's monarchy a permanency throughout the centuries. God would give David a flesh and blood house made up of all the rightful successors to his kingly throne, ultimately Jesus, the son of Joseph of the house of David. A thousand years after Nathaniel and David, the angel Gabriel said these five one-syllable words, the Lord is with you to Mary, assuring her that she was God's highly favored daughter, that she would soon conceive and bear a son who would be both her son and God's son. God, the divine architect, had made some daring revisions in the old blueprints of David's building project of a dwelling place for God. God had decided to ultimately make one human being, one perfect person who would be not just another King David, but the very King of kings and Lord of lords. That King, of course, is Jesus, the Word made flesh, dwelling among us. And now, some 2,000 years later, you and I, our people, are privileged to hear those same five one words, the Lord is with you time and time again. These words today assure you that God has not abandoned the master plan for his building place in our midst. God's not going to pitch his tent elsewhere. God is still going to dwell within you and with us, his people, by and through the same Jesus, God's only Son, our brother and Savior. Therefore, the meaning and message of Advent is clearly and concisely this. The Lord is with you. The Lord, that's your Lord and God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is. Not once upon a time, not in the future, but present here and now today. God is with. He's not above and beyond us. He's not against us. He's in our midst. And you means every one of you. You and me individually, you and me together in God's communities. So basic, so essential, so important is the message of these five one-syllable words that keep echoing in our ears and hearts all year long, not during Advent only and Christmas, because every time we pray a Hail Mary, every time we come together like we're doing at Mass to celebrate Eucharist, we hear the words time and time again, the Lord is with you. Mass begins, we're told with a slight variation of those words, with may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you always. At the beginning of every Eucharistic prayer, the priest says, the Lord be with you. These aren't commands. We do not order the Lord to be with us. The Lord's already with us because the Lord wants to be with us. These common mass greetings simply acclaim and describe our awesome situation. The Lord is with you in his living word, which you hear whenever the Bible is read. The Lord is with you in the bread and wine that becomes his body and blood. The Lord is with you in any and every gathering of people in his name, because Jesus promised that whenever two or more gather in my name, I am there in the midst of them. 
We are the living body of Christ. Christ is our head. Let the five one-syllable words of Gabriel keep the spirit in Christmas alive in you all year long. Every week, every day, be sure you pray and think about the awesome reality that Advent and Christmas are all about. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with us. For Wineskins, this is Father Jay Clark. Our world seems turned upside down with terrible events, pandemics, powerful nations and armies. While these may be important, they will eventually cease, as do all things temporal. But the gentle Christ still rules and reigns over our hearts and minds. He is with us yet and always will be. The future belongs to Him. Wineskins is made possible by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. The program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda, wishing you a blessed Sunday and a safe week. And we of Wineskins want to wish all of you a blessed Christmas tomorrow as you gather with family and friends to celebrate the birth of our Savior. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.